Chapter Four of Company H by Sam R. Watkins. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Tupelo. We went into summer quarters at Tupelo. Our principal occupation at this place was playing poker, chuckalock, and cracking graybacks, lice. Every soldier had a brigade of lice on him, and I have seen fellows so busily engaged in cracking them that it reminded me of an old woman knitting. At first the boys would go off in the woods and hide to louse themselves, but that was unnecessary. The ground fairly crawled with lice. Pharaoh's people, when they were resisting old Moses, never enjoyed the curse of lice more than we did. The boys would frequently have a louse race. There was one fellow who was winning all the money. His lice would run quicker and crawl faster than anybody's lice. We could not understand it. If some fellow happened to catch a fierce-looking louse, he would call on Doran for a race. Doran would come and always win the stake. The lice were placed in plates, this was the race course, and the first that crawled off was the winner. At last we found out Dee's trick. He always heated his plate. Billy P. said he had no lice on him. Did you ever look? No. How do you know, then? If ignorance is bliss, tis folly to be wise, said Billy. Why, there is one crawling on your bosom now. Billy took him and put him back in his bosom and said to the louse, You stay there now. This makes the fourth time I have put you back, and if I catch you out again today, I'll martyr you. Billy was philosophic. The death of one louse did not stop the breed. The Court-Martial at Tupelo at this place was held the grand court-martial. Almost every day we would hear a discharge of musketry, and knew that some poor, trembling wretch had bid farewell to mortal things here below. It seemed to be but a question of time with all of us as to when we too would be shot. We were afraid to chirp. So far now as patriotism was concerned, we had forgotten all about that, and did not now so much love our country as we feared brag. Men were being led to the death-stake every day. I heard of many being shot, but did not see but two men shot myself. I do not know to what regiment they belonged, but I remember that they were mere beardless boys. I did not learn for what crime or the magnitude of their offenses. They might have deserved death, for all I know. I saw an old man, about sixty years old, whose name was Dave Brewer, and another man, about forty-five, by the name of Rube Franklin, whipped. There was many a man whipped and branded that I never saw or heard tell of, but the reason I remember these two was that they belonged to Company A of the 23rd Tennessee Regiment, and I knew many men in the regiment. These two men were hung up by the hands after having their heads shaved to a tree, put there for the purpose, with the prongs left on them, and one hand was stretched toward one prong and the other hand to another prong, their feet perhaps just touching the ground. The man who did the whipping had a thick piece of sole leather, the end of which was cut in three strips, and this tacked on to the end of a paddle. After the charges and specifications had been read, both men being stark naked, the whipper lit in on Rube, who was the youngest. I do not think he intended to hit as hard as he did, but being excited himself he blistered Rube from head to foot. Thirty-nine lashes was always the number. Now three times thirty-nine makes one hundred and seventeen. When he struck at all, one lick would make three whelps. When he had finished Rube, 
the captain commanding the whipping squad, told him to lay it on old man Brewer as light as the law would allow, that old man Brewer was so old that he would die, that he could not stand it. He struck old man Dave Brewer thirty-nine lashes, but they were just laid on light. Old Dave didn't beg and squall like Rube did. He just did whip old man Dave, like the old preacher who caught the bear on Sunday. They had him up before the church, agreed to let him off if he did not again set his trap. Well, he said, brethren, I just did set it. Raiding on Roasting Ears At this place General Bragg issued an order authorizing citizens to defend themselves against the depredations of soldiers, to shoot them down if caught depredating. Well, one day Byron Richardson and myself made a raid on an old citizen's roasting ear patch. We had pulled about all the corn that we could carry. I had my arms full and was about starting for camp when an old citizen raised up and said, Stop there! Drop that corn! He had a double-barreled shotgun cocked and leveled at my breast. Come and go with me to General Bragg's headquarters. I intend to take you there by the living God. I was in for it. Directed to go in front, I was being marched to Bragg's headquarters. I could see the devil in the old fellow's eye. I tried to beg off with good promises, but the old fellow was deaf to all entreaty. I represented to him all of our hardships and suffering, but the old fellow was inexorable. I was being steadily carried toward Bragg's headquarters. I was determined not to see General Bragg, even if the old citizen shot me in the back. When all at once a happy thought struck me, says I, Mr. Byron Richardson is in your field, and if you will go back, we can catch him, and you can take both of us to General Bragg. The old fellow's spunk was up. He had captured me so easily, he no doubt thought he could whip a dozen. We went back a short distance, and there was Byron, who had just climbed over the fence and had his arms full, when the old citizen, diverted from me, leveled his double barrel at Byron, when I made a grab for his gun which was accidentally discharged in the air, and with the assistance of Byron we had the old fellow and his gun both. The table was turned. We made the old fellow gather as much as he could carry, and made him carry it nearly to camp, when we dismissed him, a wiser, if not better, and richer man. We took his gun and bent it around a blackjack tree. He was at the soldier's mercy. End of chapter 4